You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Myself, Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon, from worst to first. John, the Chiefs are in first place in the AFC West. Man, I got my swagger back. It's That's, that's right. That's what I'm saying. I've got my swagger back. The editor's show has its swagger back. We are now... That's right covering a first place team again we didn't like it the other way so this is a a nice change of pace now as we're entering what is to be a big game with the yeah. dallas cowboys in week 11 here it's the late game between the chiefs who have really reannounced themselves as an afc contender versus one of the nfc contenders in the dallas cowboys i anticipate this will be something uh, in which a lot of people will call a potential Super Bowl preview coming up this week, and I, I think this is just getting it started. So we're going to go through some news to, to start the week. We'll go through Andy Reid's Monday press conference on Zoom. We'll go through our marinated takeaways from the Chiefs and the Raiders, the 41-14 to 14 win, and then we'll finish up with the best Chiefs thing that we heard all week. John, uh, I normally would, would go into people and, and the need for them to review us. But as it turns out, we have had a couple of reviews oh, come, well. come through. So we have to get into some of those. I did promise that if you did folks yeah. started to review us, we would read them and react uh, on the podcast. We will get to news in just a second, but let's get into some of these uh, reviews first. Um, hey guys, I'm, I'm making my first trip to Kansas city for the Cowboys game. Can you do a quick rundown of things to do, places to see, best bars, and, of course, your favorite barbecue spots? Uh, that would be helpful. I'll be there for four days, so I want to see all that Kansas City has to offer. Thanks in advance. Um, my God, there's a website called Visit KC, um, but I will tell you my, my, my uh, favorite barbecue spot right now, and it's been for a while, is Q39. I, I tend to like the new school, but the, the best way to go about it, I think, is to try to hit a few uh, mm-hmm. while while yeah. you're here. It, you know, do one for lunch if you can. Maybe do the next for dinner the next night. I know that a lot of people like Jack Stack. Jack Stack's a, another one. There are plenty of places to see, including uh, the Nelson Atkins Museum. There's the Plaza. The downtown is up and coming. Anything you want to shout out here, John? I always want to mention the Rosedale Barbecue. It doesn't get a lot of, uh, of of love from the general population, but it's been my favorite spot for a long time. And nothing against Q39 and Jack Stack, and those places are all great too. But uh, I love the atmosphere at the Rosedale. I always have. Uh, at one yeah, time, yeah. The great was, thing, is, yeah, there, yeah. There's there's other ones too. So you know, we talk about Gates and Arthur Bryan's, yeah. which are mm-hmm. are yeah. great. But there's also Slaps and LCs and Jones. Right. So right. 
I, I know Andy Reid uses this as a cop out a little bit when he's asked about his favorite barbecue joint, but there really is no bad barbecue spot to hit. And so I, right. I think that's important to remember as you travel to Kansas City and welcome to Kansas City. Thank you for writing us a review and thank you for giving us five stars. Um, 100% normal. Serta, you do you. Serta is our, our fabulous podcast producer. Totally, <laughs> totally normal. <laughs> Have a few additional beverages waiting for you at, at home once you get back from a night out nightcap. Um, we'll let Show and BK address that one on Friday. I think that's pr probably a better angle to go with. Another review <laughs> commending the uh, great British Chief show. Uh, and then one said, this is some of the best Chiefs podcasts highlighting our editor's show. And they called us very professional and well-delivered. And also complimented uh, Show and BK on Friday. So, again, we appreciate the reviews. If you want to leave us a review, it's my new policy. I will read it and address it right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. So there's four new reviews. So keep them coming. We love the five-star reviews. Uh, John, some some kind of breaking news to start us off here. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll yeah. get to it right here. Uh, we're going to have to write an article on this. It's going to be delayed because we're doing this. But uh, the Chiefs are expected to add Shane Bouchelle to their roster today from the practice squad. Looks like the Arizona Cardinals tried to swoop in and, and sign Bouchelle. You know that they're going through some quarterback issues given the fact that uh, Kyler Murray has, is dealing with injuries. Maybe they're looking for another option other than what would be uh, Colt McCoy. And so the Chiefs, who have protected Bouchelle for a while now, we saw him in, in the preseason and storm his way uh, to winning a preseason game, might be looked at as the backup quarterback of the future. And, and I think what this move solidifies is it's not might anymore. That's what they envision him as, potentially as this uh, younger backup to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, they certainly uh, liked him in the preseason. I liked him in the preseason. Stephen and I were just talking about it before the show began. And, and uh, you know, the Chiefs don't check with me on this, but uh, I th certainly think he's one of the better people they've brought in uh, in the offseason over the years who could possibly contend to be a backup quarterback. They protected him on the practice squad for six consecutive weeks. And uh, what this shows us is that while you can, you know, keep another team from swooping in up until game day, uh, there's still some holes in there where uh, someone can can swipe your backup, you know, your practice squad quarterback, for example. If I remember correctly, the first week that uh, Bouchelle was protected on the practice squad, there were like a dozen quarterbacks on practice squad across well, I the think league. I think that, that stemmed from Big Ben having right. hip injury right. and, and the fact that their backup is Mason Rudolph. And we could we saw this weekend what happens when Mason Rudolph starts an NFL game. You end up tying the Detroit Lions. And so I, I think it started with that. Right. And a lot of teams did that. And then the Chiefs, with all the quarterback injuries throughout the league, I, I think kept on doubling down. Right. And, and now right. it finally went to, OK, someone was trying to sign this player and they like him enough to give him a 53 man roster spot. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because the Chiefs last year, when the protections on practice squads started, really rarely used it right. last season. And uh, so it was interesting that they did all of a sudden with this guy and then continue to do it. I think that's that's indicated how they felt about this guy, not only because of the situation with Big Ben, but uh, how they felt about it. And, uh, you know, now they, they're doing they're putting an exclamation point on that by putting him on the active roster. Somehow it's week 11, and we have two pieces of Shane Bouchelle news. Steve, let's go to the video that has inspired the Chiefs into being the swaggery team that they are. 
I got my swagger back. Oh, oh. <laughs> All right. So if you're listening to the podcast and are like, okay, what was that? Well, <laughs> let's open the book here. So apparently Shane Bouchelle on Monday or Tuesday brought up a viral video from 2014. It was De La Salle Collegiate High School. I believe it's in Michigan. They were vying for a state title. And one of the local news reporters went and interviewed this team, and they basically were a bunch of WWE high school football (laughs) players who would get on and essentially went on the mic and were cutting promos, like like wrestling-style promos. And one of them was, I got my swagger back. Oh, oh, as you just (laughs) heard. And this was apparently the video that Shane Bouchelle in the quarterback room on Monday or Tuesday showed Patrick Mahomes so much so that Mahomes referenced it in the press conference after the game. And what you just heard was not Mahomes. That was Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey decided to repurpose um, the, the celebration, the <laughs> promo on ESPN after the Chiefs played fantastic football in their 41-14 win over what was the Las Vegas Raiders. And so uh, you can draw inspiration from anywhere, John. And so Michelle now uh, going to the 53-man roster, maybe it's more than what he does on the field. Maybe this is an (laughs) off-the-field Justin Hamilton, for those diehard Chiefs fans remember, inspiring Justin Houston. Um, that type of thing where, okay, let's, let's keep our quarterback inspired here with these videos. Shane Bouchelle, keep him coming. Yeah, well, you know, the Chiefs did a terrific job on the field uh, in their big win against the Raiders. But you always have to wonder how much something like this played into it. You know, whether that that thing really got them motivated to come out and, and bring their swagger back. Um, it was it, it was a great story, I thought, uh, for that to come out after the game. And, and Kelsey's rendition of it is hysterical. What I thought was funny is, so Kelsey's doing that ESPN interview while Patrick Mahomes is likely headed to the podium. So Mahomes is talking. It, it was such a big deal for them that Mahomes is talking about it at the podium as Travis Kelsey is doing it yeah. on ESPN, meaning like it sounds silly and it sounds trivial and whatever. But this got around the team like they all passed it along and said, (laughs) this is what we need to be this weekend. And you can't deny the results. The Chiefs offense played their best game of the season and it wasn't even close. So, yes, indeed. Uh, Thank you to uh, De La Salle Collegiate and and 2014 for here in the year 2021, uh, getting the Kansas City Chiefs swagger back. All right, let's get into some regular news. We've gotten through the Bouchelle portion of our podcast um the news from andy reed said that uh, running back clyde edwards elaire is a better shot to play this weekend against the dallas cowboys than he was last weekend when he said it, said it was a stretch for him to play and i i'm uh, feeling a little bit twofold on this i at, at one end I, i'm like okay you know you want to be at full strength here and if he's ready he's ready but another aspect of it is okay but if you Keep him rested now. You have another week of rest to make sure he's 100, 100% out of the bye week because, you know, you won't play that that Thanksgiving week. And Daryl Williams is doing a fine job and had the best game of his career, I, I think you mm-hmm. could say, without yeah. argument. Uh, not to say that the Chiefs would be rushing him here, but I just if there's any question at all, I, I think at this point I'd say, Let's wait and, and see with Clyde. Let's get him back for the, the second half and make sure he's 100%. Because if you remember, he said when he came back this season, he wasn't 100% for the Super Bowl, but still played. 
Not to say that this is the same thing as the Super Bowl and the Chiefs would rush him because of a, just a regular season game. But I, I don't know. I kind of lean on, man, just chill right now. Like, let's just make sure you're really, really good. Because I think if the Chiefs are going to go the distance, despite what Daryl was able to do against the Las Vegas Raiders, they're going to need Clyde Edwards-Hilaire playing some really good football. Well, I think there's a couple of things that uh, that amplify your point. And one of them is that uh, what Edwards-Hilaire has is an MCL sprain. So I, I think that's a, an injury that you want to be real careful about because it's pretty easy uh, to bring a guy back and then have it become an actual tear, uh, which might not be the case, you know, if you were off for an entire year having that tear repaired. And then the other thing is Bouchelle. Sorry, we have to extend the Bouchelle portion of the uh, podcast <laughs> here a little bit. But I think that the Chiefs deliberately... Uh, went into the weekend with 52 players on the roster expecting to bring back Edward Zolaire for this game. And now uh, the situation with Bouchelle has thrown a monkey wrench into that. And the Chiefs may not have a player that they are willing to let go before the Dallas game in order to make room for Edward Zolaire. So I think that adds a little bit more juice to the point that you're making that, that you wouldn't bring him back in this particular game. And I also think that the fact that the bye week is right after uh, where he'd get actually two weeks of rest for sitting through this game, I think also plays into it. Yeah, we'll get into more from Andy Reid on Monday in our second segment here, but that was just the message. It did seem like there's a chance he could be back in the mix. We will see if yeah. he ends up getting called up. The Chiefs have a, are, are in the midst of their 21-day window for both Edwards Alaire and Kyle Long uh, at some point here in the next 14 days now. Uh, the Chiefs will activate these guys because they have to, I, I would think. No new news on Kyle Long. Andrew Wiley did all right. I was a little bit more worried about Max Crosby. Crosby did have an impact on this game. I, I believe he had more than 10 pressures. But Andrew Wiley held up, and maybe the Chiefs get Lucas Niang or Mike Remmers back this week. We'll have to look at the Wednesday afternoon window for the first uh, indication as to whether, okay, will the Chiefs get their starter? Uh, actually, I don't well, even know who is well, the starter at this point. Is it Mike Remmers or Lucas Niang? Uh, back at right, right tackle, right. which one well, would be healthy? Yeah, Remmers went on injured reserve on Saturday, so he's out for at least three games. That's correct. That's correct. That's a good correction. So he'll be there. out for the Cowboys game, the bye week, and the two games after that. So he's going to be out for a See, month. See, this is a Twitter world, and when the Kansas City Chiefs fail to tweet something and I don't get a, a text <laughs> on my phone, I forget things like that. Yeah. But yes, that's yeah. a good reminder. Mike Remmers, so Mike Remmers is out of the mix. The one to watch is Lucas Niang. He has a rib rib slash ribs mm -hmm. injury yep. right now so i you don't know how severe it is uh i feel like if, if he had to come out of the game and miss a game and was held out of practice it, it probably is is something where they're really being cautious so you might get another game of andrew wiley maybe kyle long does get the call up interesting in the numbers game when it comes to the chiefs 53 man roster that's something we're going to have to uh, watch and monitor john does a really good job uh, for us at arrowhead pride making sure that that we know who's up and who's down uh, you know, I think you that. could make the argument that Kyle Long might be a bigger priority to bring back, all other things being equal. Let's say that they feel that Kyle Long is ready to come back and Edward Zolaire is ready to come back. Given the situation at right tackle with Remmers on injured reserve and Niang a question mark at this point, you know, they appeared to have to go to some extra trouble against the Raiders in order to make Wiley serviceable there against Max Crosby and maybe against the Cowboys they don't want to do that so I think you could make the argument that all of the things being equal if Kyle Long is ready they might 
put him on the active roster uh, before the Cowboys game instead of Edward Zolaire. But, you know, I'm just making a wild guess there. But um, no, but I agree be. with you. And you're like I said, and I'll go back to the point. You're coming off Daryl Williams best game of his career where he sure. showed more than yeah. capable, not only. And I think this was the big breakthrough. He can do more than just run through the tackles. I, he you know, everyone has talked about uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire as a threat in the passing game. Well, here's an, an uncomfortable news flash. Daryl <laughs> Williams had a better game in the past game than Clyde Edwards, Hilaire has ever had. So mm-hmm. there's no rush to 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 bring him back, I, I think, in that sense. And then um, to me with Kyle Long, now he typically is a guard. The Chief, let, let's say this. The Chiefs are not touching their interior. Tooney right, and, right. and Creed Humphrey, the best offensive lineman in the world, and Trey Smith, they're locked in. So this would be Kyle, in a sense, because I know he's played the one season as a pro bowler at right tackle, going a little bit out of position. But then you got to ask yourself, well, is Kyle Long a better option for the Chiefs than what would be Andrew Wiley? I'm sure that's a question that'll be asked this week as we go. Still uh, worth being said that Kyle Long remains on the PUP. And at this point and this recording right now, um, which is on Tuesday morning at around 11 a.m., uh, Clyde edwards Lair is still on injured reserve. They are not counted against the 53-man roster until right. they're counted against right. the 53-man roster. So there is some transactions that will take place with this as well. All right, John, you're in the midst of your snap counts. What jumped out at you this week from Chiefs and Raiders? Yeah, uh, it's more complicated this week because uh, the, the Chiefs put some people on the bench during the fourth quarter. It's been a very long time since the Chiefs have done that. I, I don't, in fact, I'm not, I, I can't remember the last time the Chiefs did this. I, I know they didn't in 2020. Did they do it at all in 2019? I don't remember a situation where the Chiefs bench starters because they were uh, way ahead in the game. Uh, so it was kind of a unique situation. And uh, it impacted both sides of the ball, particularly on the defense. And I was working on the defense and we stopped to record the podcast here. So uh, my takeaways from the snap counts uh, are strictly on the offense at this point. Um, a couple of things that were interesting. Um, Josh Gordon, again, uh, he seems to be at a plateau now at around 40% of the snaps over the course of two or three games now. That looks like his normal range of use. But yet again, for the second time this season, no targets for Gordon. And uh, we'll hear from Andy Reid on that here in a minute, I believe. Um, but he spoke about that on on Monday, and it may be that uh, we may see some some uh, work from Gordon as a receiver here pretty soon. But in the meantime, the Chiefs seem to be happy with using him as a blocker and a uh, and as a decoy uh, in the passing game. Um, the other thing that was interesting to me uh, from the offense uh, in the snap counts from Sunday. Um, McCole Hardman, the big loser. Um, Byron Pringle continues to trend up as he has ever since the game against the Philadelphia Eagles. He's continued to uh, with some slight variations, but the overall trend has been up. Um, he got more use on Sunday than he's had all season. Uh, Demarcus Robinson came up a little bit from his uh, previous season low uh, in the week before against the Packers. And McCarl Hardman had his lowest use of the season, uh, not only on offense, but also essentially on special teams as well, uh, as the Chiefs brought Mike Hughes in to return punts in the game. So um, that, to me, was very interesting. I would have guessed that Hardman, going into the season, 
was the guy who had the inside track to be the guy among the rest of the Chiefs receivers who would get the most snaps. And now he's, uh, at least for this one game, uh, among the, the least. Uh, that, would, to me, was fascinating. Um, and then uh, Noah Gray uh, had a, an increase in snap counts, and we saw a big uh, gap between running and passing use on Blake Bell, uh, the largest I think I've seen on a player for quite a while. Yeah, Blake Bell also had the tight end sneak, as mm-hmm. we call it. I think what is interesting here, and and we'll get to to Josh Gordon, is more the Hardman situation because I think it mm-hmm. has implications for next next year and the year yeah. after. Mm-hmm. And during the fourth and final year of his rookie contract next year, this is looking more and more like a player that you just straight up let walk. You know, mm-hmm. you just say, look, you are easily easily replaceable by the next rookie in line, which the Chiefs can can draft. Um, they'd probably like to draft it lower than the second round, but that's a story for another day as in previous days we've talked about this ad nauseum so we don't have to talk about it again but i i think the writing is on the wall when it comes to mccall hardman if you have to bring in a receiver like josh gordon and you're seeing increasing snaps for him and they're leaning into and not with targets but with snaps uh someone on the outside i mean the writing is on the wall while you're having byron pringle uh have a really nice touchdown in this game pringle has been knocking at the door for a while it is what it is on on Hardman. And then also, I just think, you know, I, I think it's probably a smaller note. Good on on Blake Bell to start to to I'm sorry. It's good on Noah Gray to start to emerge here. Mm-hmm. He had had a lot of preseason buzz and we had not really seen him in the passing game at all. Like we thought we had at one point and we as in me at training camp tweeted out that he looked like baby Kelsey uh, and then did not <laughs> uh, for a long time. And so it was good to see him kind of break through in a sense. I think he's a player to watch uh, first half. Uh, or I should say the halfway mark to the end of the season. A lot of times these rookies, they break out in different spurts, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it yeah. takes other, some guys longer than others. Perhaps Gray is a guy uh, that'll fit that mold. And we see more and more of him as the season goes along. I know you're in well, the, think, the, I'm sorry. I ahead. think it's interesting about Gray uh, that, you know, over the course of the season, he's been identified as a guy who has really become an excellent blocker. And um, and the Chiefs could really use a guy like that who could also be a threat in the passing game. And I think that what we saw on Sunday, where they targeted him like three times in one drive, I'm not sure it wasn't even the same series of downs. I think it might have been like a couple of incompletes in a row before his touchdown catch. I think they're really trying hard to find a way to use him in the passing game because they would like to see if he can be a guy who could be the baby Kelsey, a strong blocker and a strong uh, well, receiving target. We, we had joked about the T-Rex and four tight ends being mm-hmm. on the field before yeah. Fortson had his injury. The one thing we do know is that Andy Reid likes multiple tight end sets for a different yeah. kind of look. And I, and I think the more variety that you can give this offense at this point, the better. All right, John, I know you're still in the midst of doing defensive snap counts. Anything jump out to you as, as you're still working through them this morning? Well, the first thing that that struck me was just looking at the game book uh, uh, cover sheet where uh, we see Derek Nottie listed as the starter at defensive end and Chris Jones listed as a defensive tackle for the first time this season. Now, of course, especially on defense, you can't hang much on those starting designations, uh, but uh, it, it says something about what the Chiefs are thinking. Uh, going forward, when uh, when maybe Naughty is the guy that gets uh, some more snaps at the on the outside compared to Jones, 
Um, and uh, Jaron Reed, I noticed, didn't get a whole lot of snaps in this game. I mean, I, I'm sorry, not Jaron Reed, but um, uh, Melvin Ingram uh, didn't get a whole lot of snaps in this game, uh, which I found interesting. He looked really good when he was out there. But uh, again, I haven't really had the opportunity to to dig into it yet and try and figure out where all those numbers actually line up. It'll be, I think, it's going to be a very, very interesting look at the snap uh, counts this week when it's finished. Yeah, brief comment just to to agree with you a little bit. The idea that Melvin Ingram saw the field less after what we saw last week is very mm-hmm. surprising to me. I would have yeah. thought that he would have um, been on the field more, if anything. So. Uh, we look forward to the rest of those snap count takeaways. You can check arrowheadpride.com a bit later on Tuesday into Wednesday to see what we take away from that. Defensively, when we come back, we'll go through Andy Reid's Monday afternoon Zoom press conference. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, the Chiefs. Six and four and first place in that AFC West. Who would have thought after the beginning of the year? Well, maybe this guy, Andy Reid, head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. He did his Monday afternoon press conference. And the first thing that really came up here, and you would expect it to at this point, is Patrick Mahomes and looking better. And as we talked about in segment one, finding his swagger again. Andy Reid was asked what he saw that led him to believe that this guy, this kid would figure it out. Yeah. So um, he comes to work every day trying to get better. And this is when things were smooth and we were winning a lot of games. Um, You know, he always says, let's be great. He reminds the huddle of that. I mean, he's, and he believes that Um, let's be great today. Let's be great on this play. Um, he's always saying that. And so, um, even during the tough times, it's easy to kind of curl up and put yourself in a corner during the tough times, but he kept up, he kept that mentality and he, you know, he gets here early and he stays late and meets with the offensive linemen. He meets, you know, he gets in there and goes, gets everybody together and they, they do their thing there. Um, besides what the coaches are, are, demanding from him. So that's, that's how he does. And and that kind of stuff helps you uh, without him having a whole lot of down uh, games, but it helps you once you hit a a little skid there and you power yourself through. So I think that this has been an interesting part of Patrick Mahomes career because we saw that he could be the best in the league. And for so long, it just looked like a cyborg robot guy who would never go through any long-term issues and 10 weeks of a year is is a long time to struggle and the fact that the Chiefs were still able to win games has kept them alive in this thing and then I think what's fun to hear is those details from Andy Reid about what he did to make sure that he could eventually break out of this which I think we did see on Sunday night. The thing that I find most impressive about Mahomes is um 
how little he lets this kind of stuff affect him. And I thought that's what I took away from what Reed said on Monday was that no matter what's happening, he's always the same. You know, he's always yeah. the guy that uh, says we got to be great in this game, in this play, uh, in this series. And um, uh, that to me is one of the most impressive things about him is his attitude about things. And uh, and I'm grateful that uh, that we that he has that during this period where he had a really bad slump uh, that lasted essentially five weeks. Um, he did have a couple of really good games early in the season that the Chiefs lost because there were turnovers. But um, the last five games, he's been really bad and uh, yeah. very unchar- uncharacteristic performance from Mahomes. So it was good to see that, and I'm, and I'm so glad that he's got the maturity to handle that kind of thing. I could just tell that he looked more comfortable in the pocket against mm-hmm. the Las Vegas yeah. Raiders, and that was was something that we have not really seen. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, and period. Even in the even in the 2018 season, I mean, that was mm-hmm. backyard football uh, that led him to an MVP, which is incredible to say, but it, it's the case. He was hanging in the pocket, trusting his offensive line. Ask Andy Reid about it. Here's what he said. I thought he did a nice job with that. Um, I thought the offensive line did a nice job of protecting him early, and Pat did a nice job of getting the ball out quick. Um, they've got a good defensive front, so you knew you were going to have to move a little bit. Uh, not because uh, of uh, any deficiency on the offensive part, a line part, but that's just how it goes. You know, you kind of work, work the pocket and um, against these good defensive fronts. So, but I thought he did a good job. I thought he, I thought he was confident in the pocket to answer your question. And I thought he uh, did it help. Not why I think it helped that he, he was on time and, and the line did a nice job, I'd say. And I think a lot has to do with offensive line improvement, too. I think you're finally seeing this group gel together. Now, granted, they do have a, a turnstile a little bit right now at right tackle. But still, I, I think it's it's playing off the interior. It is, as Ron Kopp has mentioned, in the run game, running these counters so that you can get Trey Smith in space and Creed Humphrey in space to bop these defenders. And, and you can tell that Mahomes is feeling a little bit more comfortable behind them. And I think he had to learn just because that maybe a defender has a step. Maybe you could bob a little bit. Maybe you could weave a little bit and reopen that pocket for yourself. And I think we saw that on Sunday night. Yeah, uh, you know, another thing that I should have mentioned when we were talking about the snap counts, uh, this is something significant I noticed on the offense. The Chiefs got a lot of credit for, uh, you know, spending more time running the ball on Sunday night, but that was actually kind of an illusion. They did run it more in the second half. I think if you go back and look at the numbers, you'll see that. But overall, their percentage was very close to normal. Uh, on the course of the se- Over the course of the season, they have, uh, uh, they've had a 65-35 ratio of run versus pass. And on Sunday night, it was 67-33, essentially the same as a normal Chiefs game. Uh, What really, I think, made people think that the Chiefs are running the ball was how much Daryl Williams got the ball as a receiver. You're saying 60, it's like two-thirds pass, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is pretty much normal for the Chiefs. And it it really wasn't much of an increase. Well, it wasn't even an increase. In, yeah, uh, but you know, that, I, t- that I know what you're saying, and and you're just spitting out the numbers, which is the correct thing to do. But right, those are the technical numbers, be- and and where where it differs there is you saw a lot of screens and the short yes. patterns yes. that played yes. into what would be run plays. So the numbers right. get a little bit muddled there too. You know, right? That's a nice reminder. 
as well. And I, I believe analytics can be stories and I think numbers are important and stuff like that. But, you know, even when you're talking about grand sample sizes, you look at this game and all you look at the, is the box score and you're like, oh, Chiefs are passing again. Like, no, they're not. Right. right? They right. were finally playing in that short to intermediate. Right. So. And and I think that's and, and I, I think you're exactly right. And uh, I, I think that there was a and, and I only bring this up to point out that they really weren't actually running the ball anymore, but they were featuring the running backs more in the game, in the passing game, particularly. So it looked like they were rushing the ball more when, in fact, it was about the same as always. All right, let's continue on with Andy Reid and first tell you about a stat that Stat Matt McMullen from Chiefs.com had. The Chiefs <laughs> yielded a grand total of nine yards on third down on Sunday night, which are the fewest for any team on third down in a game this season. And then he added, this is scrimmage yardage, which makes it even more impressive as it's not subtracting yards due to sacks. When looking at net yardage, the total for third downs ended at minus three mm-hmm. look at the third down defense for these kansas city chiefs andy reed asks about what has led to this recent defensive success well, i think health is one thing <clears throat> getting everybody on the field um that's that's one part of it and then uh the second part is the young guys maturing there uh quicker than you can predict i mean you don't know exactly how that's going to go adam and so <clears throat> but they they picked up the the pace and 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 the scheme and then spags is relentless with it so i mentioned the walkthroughs last night um he's gonna he's gonna make you do it until you get it uh right and and his coaches fall right you know right along with that so and I, those would be the, probably the three things you know i a lot of times it you, you see the health excuse and and I, I, I think it is a little bit of an excuse, but at the same time, the Chiefs were dealing with significant injuries at every level for a good chunk of what would be or used to be. Not a, You can't say this anymore because of these 17-game schedule. But like the first <laughs> fourth of the season, right? The first four or five games of the season, uh, the Chiefs were dealing with injuries. So they finally were able to get everyone healthy. Willie Gay, Frank Clark, Travarius Ward. Um, you saw Chris Jones miss a few games. And now it's been a few games and you're starting to see reasoning to think, okay, well, they were healthy. They were able to put these three games together. Maybe this is real, right? Maybe this is real defensive success. And you saw it against Daniel Jones. You saw it uh, against Jordan Love. You needed to see it against a quarterback playing well this year. And Derek Carr is that. And so now I think you can say, wow, the Chiefs defense really did turn this thing around from worst in history to Good, formidable, good enough to win a championship. I think, right? I think that's fair to say at this point, John. At least in the in the last three games, yeah, right. Um, I mean, if you look at the totality of the season, you know their numbers still aren't that great. But what we have seen in the recent games, uh, yes, strongly suggests that the defense has turned a corner um, and could be good enough for the team to contend for a championship as long as what we saw from the offense on. Sunday uh, continues. I love that third down stat. I mean, and and you could see it in the game. I mean, I didn't find it surprising at all. I think at one point I had noticed that the, the third down percentage was pretty low. But before that, my eyes had seen Legereus Sneed 
you know, making big tackles uh, behind the line of scrimmage and at the line of scrimmage. I think three of those uh, third downs were Sneed making big plays, if I remember remember correctly. So, uh, yeah, it, I was I really wasn't surprised by it, but man, the on third down the defense really was a, a brick wall on Sunday. It was it was great to see. Third down defense, uh, quite obviously, is is the most important because I think so much early this season, you know, you would see third and whatever. And the Chiefs yeah. would give it up and it would be so deflating yeah. to, I think, not only the defense, but the offense and the team and and I'm spilling into one of my marinated takeaways. So I'm going to stop there. <laughs> All right. Let's go into Josh Gordon. You had mentioned, John, only the 33 uh, or 33 offensive steps. Not only he had 33 offensive snaps around and he re- failed to register a target from Patrick Mahomes, which is a little bit alarming. Right. So let's hear what mm-hmm. Andy Reid had to say. Uh, his time is going to come as far as the production in the pass game. It, it's right now he's carrying, he, he's attracting attention, which is opening up other people, um, which is a positive thing. His blocking has been tremendous in the run game. Uh, he plays extremely hard. I think he's in, you know, he's, he's got himself in the last week or two here in, in really good football shape. Remember he'd been kind of out of this thing for a couple of years. So, um, that's easier said than, than done. And, uh, I, I sure like what we saw in practice last week and, and, uh, you know, I, I just keep telling him, be patient. It's going to happen. You know, just <laughs> keep, keep doing what you're doing. It'll, this thing will pop for you. So, uh, his time will come. I think they feel about Josh Gordon like they did about Mahomes for a long time here, where they're just going to keep running him out there. And eventually you're going to run into, a Josh Gordon game, as we like to say sometimes when these uh, complimentary players have nice games. I, I, shout out to the Niall Davis games uh, that, that the Chiefs <laughs> would sometimes have. I think when you talk about the third receiver production, the third skill p- player production, and you think about what Sammy Watkins mm-hmm. did when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. Sammy Watkins shined in games where tra- Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill did not go off, right? Mm-hmm. This was a game where they managed to get Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey going. Of course, those are going to be Mahomes' first and second reads, right? And if they're open, it looked like the Raiders were allowing Kelsey, and I don't get this, but whatever, they were allowing him to have free releases, and he was able to find the soft spot, the soft spots in in the in the defense, and and you know he was he was finally getting back to that intermediate uh, damage and having a little bit of, of room to accumulate yak. I mean, Mahomes is going to go there. It doesn't mean Josh Gordon necessarily had a bad game. Right. I saw at, at one point Gordon, he was blocking, and it was an end-around uh, sweep action type of play. And he did a really nice job of making sure he didn't get called for a hole, throwing his hands up as the runner passed. He's doing the little things. I think that's clear. It seems like the team likes him because they're running him out for more and more snaps, albeit gradually, yeah. as this goes along. I, I Again, I know that this could be coach speak, but I, I'm – I'm choosing to believe that at some yeah. point here, Gordon will have more than one catch in a game and maybe multiple catches for 50 to hundred yards. Well, and I would tend to agree with you that it's not just coach speak, but I'm basing that on what the pattern of his usage looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, again, from, uh, if you go into the snap counts article and we get it up on the site here in a little while, you'll see that uh, what Reed is talking about is actually reflected in what we see the last couple of games, Gordon's use uh, has been pretty equal between running and passing plays, which would 
tend to back up what Reed is saying because actually few Chiefs receivers are uh, are are so close together on uh, run versus pass percentage. Most of them are used more often on passing plays. So Gordon's being used that way suggests that Reed is telling the truth when he says that he's been valuable as a blocker and as a decoy in the passing game. So I, I'm going to go along with you on this and say that Reed is really telling us something here because I think there's some data that backs that up. Right. So we will see if Gordon can finally have his own breakout game coming mm-hmm. up here this Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. And finally, Andy Reed with a nice lighthearted comment on these white on white uniforms. Here we go. The the skill guys love it. The big fellows that have a little bit hanging over the belt, they're not loving it. But that's all, that's all right. Uh, it all worked out well. Yeah, I don't care about the big fellas. This is the best Chiefs road look. White on white with red socks. I think it should be the I think it should be the what you would call the generic look. I the the actual away uniform should be white on white. I I actually do think this though. I, I don't think the Chiefs will ever do that because they are historically traditionalist when it comes to uniforms and that dates back to Lamar Hunt and what he wanted fine. Okay, I do I do think there is something to when a team can wear the same uniform as they did in 1950. But what I will say, and this goes back to 2015, we had talked about this season a lot this year where the Chiefs went one and five and then ripped off 10 wins in a row. It really started when they changed their uniforms to white on white and they kept them for the rest of the year all the way to the AFC divisional round against the New England Patriots, which they ended up losing. So it may not be the new generic uniform for the uh, going away, but I, I bet you this is not the last time we see white on white on the road for the Chiefs. Well, you know, fans love to argue about these uniforms. And right. people, they, they get themselves worked and, up. And The one thing I'll say, John, is, yeah, you can argue all you I am correct about this. The white on white <laughs> with red sock is the best jersey combo the Chiefs have. I understand you may have your opinion out there. Yeah. I know for a fact if you're listening to me right now, you're like, no, Pete, red on red. Wrong. You're wrong. I'm sorry, but you're wrong. White on white with red sock. <laughs> is the best uniform combination. Sorry, John. You well, I, I would just say that um, that I have been on the white on white not being particularly attractive oh, uh, my bandwagon God. for a long time. Unreal. This is something that we've disagreed on, I know, for a while, because it's something we've talked about before. And, I, and I, I never have liked the white on white very much. I have preferred the white over red as a road uniform. But I have to say, I have to say this, yeah. Uh, perhaps absence makes the heart grow fonder. But after <laughs> seeing the Chiefs play for the first time in three years in the white over white uniforms, I thought, you know, those look pretty darn good. So like, it kind of changed like, my mind a little bit. I yeah. got to tell you, John, I don't know uh, if it's your years and years of wisdom that you have over me, but I, you have a little bit of an H to your white on white, which I, I, I think that's a classier way to say it. You're adding a little H to it. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I, I think there's something to the fact that like when you're outdoors playing here, you could get a little bit dirty in those uniforms. Did you see how dirty Travis Kelsey was at the end of this game? That's, yeah, that's what you, yeah. that's what you need. I like it. It adds character to this team. Well, of course, a lot of people like it because it's so crisp looking, which is, which is not the case by the time you get to the fourth quarter. So it, no, so that, that, that argument kind of cuts both ways. So all right, but again, well, I, I was I was really surprised because we'll I never it. have liked it very much. We'll and, save it for um, the uh, Chiefs 
Chiefs fashion podcast, I guess. Right. Yeah. But I was really surprised that I, I actually, uh, you know, kind of changed my mind a little bit about it. I'll be it'll, it'll be OK with me if they keep with the white on white. So all you white on white fans who've been unhappy with me <laughs> over the years, I'm coming around to your point of view. Right. Uh, and not well, just I, because I, Pete is my boss. They they the Chiefs don't play a a road game until one month from today. It's a, a long homestand, including Thanksgiving mm-hmm. for the Chiefs, where they don't have to go on a plane. So I think that's going to play into an advantage as well. So we'll see. One month from today, we'll have to re- remember that we care about this a month from now on December 16th <laughs> if they go white on white on the road. All right. When we come back, we will go through our world-famous marinated takeaways from this game, and we will play the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. Stay with us. It's the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. (laughs) That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. The Chiefs apparently, or it seemed like they righted the ship against the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday Night Football. 41-14 win. A very impressive win which means we're going to have some very impressive marinated takeaways, our world-famous marinated takeaways. John, as always, you can take the oh, lead. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I have to start? Really? Okay. Well, there you go. I would just, I would just, I don't know if this is a marinated takeaway or not, but I, I, I feel that I need to say this. I am sorry. I am truly sorry hmm. that Lamar Hunt is not alive to see this week where uh, the Chiefs are coming off a big win against the Raiders. And then they're going to go on the road and play what some are now calling a Super Bowl preview against the Dallas Cowboys. This is this is Lamar Hunt's dream. This is the kind of thing that Lamar Hunt would dream about. Because, you know, he started the Texans because uh, he wanted to have a franchise in Dallas and they'd, they'd, they'd given it to somebody else. And so he started uh, another football league so he could have a, a franchise in Dallas. And he uh, always loved the opportunities the Chiefs had to play against the Cowboys and to play them in the regular season and have the game really count for something and coming off a big win against the hated rivals. This is the kind of stuff that Lamar Hunt lived for. And I'm just sorry he's not here to see it. And I, 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 I just had to get that out there someplace. Sorry. Oh, it's a good point. And it's it's a big game. I mean, it really could be yeah. a Super Bowl preview. I know we'll see that storyline a lot. But the Dallas Cowboys are coming off a huge win over the Atlanta Falcons, where it was not even close. I believe it was like 45 to three or something like that. So we have this game. It'll be on Fox. If you can't make it out to Arrowhead Stadium, 325 p.m. on Fox, getting the important game of the week. Uh, well-deserved treatment and to your point john there's a trophy for this game it dates mm-hmm. back to the days with the dallas texans yep. uh 
and the Cowboys, which you know, Texans were the original Chiefs. The Preston Road Trophy up for grabs this weekend. Uh, it was Lamar Hunt who established the trophy in 1989 because the owners of the teams lived on Preston Road. The trophy is a, um, for lack of better terms, POS. It looks like a tree trunk. Uh, I read an article that it was made for less than $100. And it is a, a tree trunk with Preston Road on it. There's a gold trim, and it's a traveling trophy. Right now, the Cowboys had it. Uh, Anthony Hitchens' Cowboys actually beat the Chiefs the last time the Preston wow. Road trophy was up for grabs. And so the Chiefs Amazing. will try to try to get this back. Hitchens, here's a little Chiefs-Cowboys nugget for you. Uh, on the Hill Mary, at the end of the, the half, where Tyree Kill mm-hmm. ran that wild... It was almost like an undercutting Hail, Hail Mary where he ran. Anthony Hitchens was the last player to beat on the Cowboys for him to score the touchdown. I remember asking Anthony Hitchens about that. So that's a weird wow. nugget that I have. All right. Wow. Let's get it. Let's get into my marinated takeaway, John, from Chiefs and Raiders. And that is the fact that I thought for the first time this team showcased the power of complementary football in this game. Whereas, so the offense had an outstanding day. We know that. Five touchdowns from Mahomes, Daryl Williams, explosion. Tyree Kill looked like he was back. Same thing with Travis Kelsey. The Chiefs were taking deep shots intermittently. They weren't hitting them all, but it was good to see them throw the throw a ball down the field like more than mm-hmm. once per game, yeah. right? The key to the game was not the offense. It was the sequence where Derek Carr was starting to gain momentum after the half and was about to turn this into a shootout. And it was a defensive play by Tyron Matthew who tipped the ball that Deshaun Jackson caught and Rashad Fenton knocking it away. And the Chiefs were able to score off of that and really ruin the idea that this was going to be this boxing match, heavyweight fight with the offenses scoring. Because at that point, it really did feel like that. And so we had mentioned the defense on third down before. That was the play of the game to me. Regardless of everything that Patrick Mahomes did, that was the play of the night that kept the Chiefs going. That's the defensive side of the football helping out the offense. With the offense playing that way, you also saw defensively Derek Carr pressing a little bit. I don't think the quarterback pressure was necessarily there consistently all game. We'll have to look into those numbers a little bit more. But it did seem like, okay, Carr looks kind of like Mahomes has looked some of these weeks where mm-hmm. he was trying to force things, trying to get his team going. And that stemmed from the offensive side of the football, helping out the defensive side of the football. And then for the second week in a row, we got to talk about him. He loves shampoo. He loves having long hair. He loves popping it out of his, <laughs> his helmet. The special teams in, in the fake punt and having Uncle Dave say, you know what, we're going to go for this. We're going to keep this drive going. A beautiful pass to two guys who don't do it often. How often does Tommy Townsend throw a football? How often does Marcus Kemp get the opportunity right now to catch a football despite being a wide receiver on this team? And that kept the drive going that led to a touchdown. Complimentary football. It's football 101, but you can see the power of when the offense is rolling, how it helps the defense. How the defense is rolling, that helps the offense, and how special teams uh, can really make a difference in a game that could go either way. And so I just love seeing that, and I think that is the biggest part of what, in my mind, makes me think the Chiefs actually turned a corner more than singling out Daryl Williams or Kelsey or even you know one of these defenders who, who, who get, got a sack in this game. It is the fact that everyone shipped in. That's a championship team. It's not, it's not, not, it's not ever going to be individual performances. Well, you know, I think you make a very interesting point about the complimentary play, and it's occurred to me in the last few days that um, – uh, because the offense was struggling so much, because Patrick Mahomes was in this slump over the last five games, 
the defense may have realized, oh, we've got to step this up. We have no choice. This is our our moment to step up and play better because the team really needs us to. And, you know, we saw this before. We saw this in 2019 when Patrick Mahomes was injured in that game against Denver and Matt Moore had to start a couple of games. And that was the moment that the defense chose to really turn it around. And I'm sorry that... Sometimes the defense needs that kind of reminder that the offense needs their help more than they sh- than uh, than usual. But if it works, I don't care. I mean, it, you know, if this is what it took for the defense to to find their mojo and get their swagger back, uh, then I'm all for it. I'd have liked it a lot better if the defense had had that swagger from the beginning of the season. But as we saw in 2019, uh, it's possible for them to come back from that kind of a start and put together a championship season. So uh, I, I think you're making a very interesting point about the complementary football, and I would just add that that uh, maybe the offensive struggles uh, helped bring that around. All right, John, continue on with your next takeaway. Yeah, um, I thought it was interesting that the Chiefs have essentially returned to Alex Smith football Yeah, uh, in this game. Um, you know... Everybody likes to say that Andy Reid runs the West Coast offense. But in recent years, he really hasn't. Uh, Since Patrick Mahomes has been on the scene, it's been kind of a hybrid uh, West Coast offense. But when Alex Smith was your quarterback, it really was a West Coast offense where uh, you passed most of the time. And when you used running backs, it was mostly in the passing game. Um, you know, we saw a lot of throws to running backs when Alex Smith was the quarterback. Um, we didn't see a whole lot of running. We saw a lot of passing, but it was all short and intermediate stuff. Everybody wanted to blame that on Alex. And to some extent, that was true. But it was also the scheme that Andy Reid was playing. And once he had a guy who had the ability to take the top off a of defense, which is something that Alex wasn't really that good at, let's be fair and honest about that, um, when he has a guy that can do that, it kind of changed Andy Reid's approach to the game. And uh, now that he rec- now that the rest of the league has recognized that and figured out ways to counter it, now it's time to go back to something that's more like an original West Coast offense. And I think that's what we saw on Sunday uh, is Reid returning to his own roots uh, in the West Coast offense. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. And I and I think when when we saw what the Chiefs were able to do from 2018 to 2020, you, you sort of said to yourself, well, we can't ever go, to, go back to that. The problem with that is teams were able to finally adjust after mm-hmm. 900 yeah. and some odd days, 1,000 days of time, right? Mm-hmm. So now you go back to it a little bit more. What will be the beauty and, and where Patrick Mahomes can really live and have success in his career – is if he can start to shift gears when the defense presents, okay, we're going to adjust to your Alex Smith game. Now I'm going to go back to original Mahomes, which you saw mm-hmm. a little bit and where he, you know what he saw Daryl Williams one-on-one down the field. Maybe it could have been a pick, but he saw one-on-one coverage and he's going to give Daryl Williams a chance. And he's probably glad he did because he was able to bring down the catch. And, and I think that the, the, the beauty of it and where Mahomes is going to be, the best player in the world again and and challenge Tom Brady at the end of this thing is if he can switch 
here, there, go back to where he was. Okay, the defense is showing this. Maybe I'll play a little bit more out of structure in this game. Okay, mm-hmm. you guys are really going to play us like this. All right, I'm going to hang there in the pocket. And that, that bleeds into my next marinade to take away. And that's the idea. And, and this, this tweet that I sent out got a lot of likes. Uh, it was just saying that we focus so much on Patrick Mahomes being fixed. I think what you saw finally on Sunday night was just a new Mahomes clicking. Whereas I don't know if he was mm-hmm. ever broken. It yeah. just was defenses adjusting to what the chiefs did well. And he had to mentally get back to, okay, well, I need to hang in the pocket. I need to let them, you know, protect me here. I need to really be able to see the field, go through multiple reads, have some confidence working and not really bailing so early and, and, you know, really, showing the defense where I'm going to go with the football so they could crash on that player. I think of all the passes that were forced to Josh Gordon at the beginning of this year, where he's basically um, showing them by staring the receiver down where he's going to be going with the football by hanging there in the pocket and working through the reads you're seeing now he can get these guys open and it's just, it's just grinding and grinding and grinding. And I think you came out on the other end of it. And I I look at it more of as, as a Patrick Mahomes 2.0, then I do this idea that, hmm. oh, yeah. broken Patrick Mahomes is suddenly Patrick Mahomes again. No, I think this could be uh, another version, another iteration of him, which you have to go through. I think that was something that was interesting after the game is, and Andy Reid had noted his analytics guy, Mike Frazier, crunched these numbers. Mahomes went longer than any quarterback at the beginning of his career, which was three years long without a significant slump. And then he hit that, and he, it took him a while to work through it. And he, I think he finally did. Now, what will be the confirmation of this, and this is very important, is doing this against the Cowboys. This is a legitimate team that you could see in the Super Bowl. The Raiders are not. You're not even going to see the, the Raiders in the playoffs, in my opinion. I think there's too much going on with that organization. The Cowboys will certainly be a playoff team. They could be a Super Bowl team. What are you going to do against them? If the Chiefs can get out of this game against a real Super Bowl contender with a win and go into their bye 7-4, and four, my God, what a turnaround this season will be. And you know what? The journalist in me says that's a better story than going 11 and 0. So I'm happy with it, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, any more marinade takeaways from you, John? No, I, I'd just like to say that I agree with you. And I think this has been the, and I, I've made this point before. It seems like I've made this point a thousand times. And so I apologize for making it again. But this has always been what they were going to have to do with Patrick Mahomes is to turn him into some version of an NFL pocket passer, not Alex Smith. Because you don't want Mahomes to lose that edge, that ability to, to scramble when the play breaks down and do those things that we saw during the first couple of years that he played for the Chiefs. You don't want him to lose that. You don't want to coach that out of him. You want to coach him to learn how to use those in the appropriate circumstances. So I completely agree with you. It really wasn't so much a question of of Mahomes being broken. It was a question of Mahomes struggling through a difficult transition from one kind of one style of play to another style of play. I, you know, while he was, while he was struggling, I kept thinking, why don't they, why don't they, you know, buy Alex Smith a plane ticket and have him come to Kansas city and sit down with Patrick and say, look, Patrick, here's what you're doing wrong here. You know, and maybe they did and they just didn't tell us. You know, I don't know. That's a weird that you say that. Maybe you didn't realize this and I'm not sure if they showed it on the telecast, but Alex Smith was on the drum deck not too long ago at the last Chiefs home game. Who knows if that took place? I, that's a, yeah. an interesting concept, uh, and maybe that's worth a, que- a question. 
that's off the beaten path a little bit for for Andy Reid on on Wednesday. We might have just ran into a, a possible story there, John. Always thinking, always got to keep the the engine going on these stories for ArrowheadPride.com. All right, we've talked enough. We look at us. We're yeah. we're babbling today. Let's go to the best Chiefs thing we saw all <laughs> week. I am not quite as confident about them reaching the Super Bowl as I was in the preseason. But yes, they are right back in the hunt. Some of that is because there's no world beater in the AFC, right? I mean, Baltimore's lost games. Buffalo's lost games that we make us scratch our head. Tennessee doesn't have Derrick Henry. So it's open. And yeah, I would agree with Nick. The scariest team, if they are, this is who they are again, has to be Kansas City. All right. Welcome back, Chris Bruchard, <laughs> Fox Sports. And here they come again. There were a lot of hot takes to start this NFL season about how the Kansas City Chiefs had fallen off. But here come the Calvary back right where we thought they'd be if the Chiefs were able to turn it around. And now suddenly the Chiefs are a hot pick again. It's a what are you doing for me lately type of league. And I, I think this week already with the national heads, you're seeing it. And it's going to get worse. This is just the beginning. It'll get worse uh, when it comes to that type of stuff as we go along here. What was it that uh, Christian Gumminger called it in uh, in our uh, Slack channel yesterday? It was the National Apology Tour right. <laughs> going on yesterday uh, the, after the these Chiefs national win. analysts they're they're looking at this game and they're saying, "Uh oh, I better backtrack a little bit because God mm-hmm. forbid that this repeats on Sunday. It is going to be too late at that point for yeah. And he's he's getting a lot of heat right now. Ryan Clark of ESPN, who I like, I actually really like Ryan Clark, but he basically went out on a limb and said Mahomes is broken this year. Um, real Mike Rob, Mike Robinson on Twitter. We, we commented on him from Arrowhead pride. He went out on a limb and said that the Raiders would win handedly on Sunday night. So we made sure to bring that up to him. Um, it's, it's interesting because, uh, I always felt the offense would figure it out. My question was always about the defense and you're seeing both at the same time. And, and what it's leading to is, yeah, yeah. Christian Gumminger, one of our new writers is doing a fantastic job Has a great article about patience up at arrowheadpride.com. Now he, he put it correctly. He said, okay, this is the apology tour. <laughs> That's only going to get worse. If the chiefs go mm-hmm. into the bye after winning against the Cowboys seven and four. So, yeah. And then we'll have a full extra week of it too. Uh, while the, oh, yeah. the Chiefs are sitting on the sidelines, so uh, we, so put your put your uh, hats on, Chiefs Chiefs fans. It's going to be like this for a little while, uh, especially if the Chiefs are able to pull out a win on Sunday. We quote tweeted uh, Bouchard yesterday and said, "Welcome back to the Chiefs bandwagon." And the fiance of Patrick Mahomes weighed in and said, "Choo choo." Brittany Matthews uh, commented <laughs> on our tweet. So. Shout out to Brittany if you do, uh, if you're, you're following of Arrowhead Pride extends to our podcast channel, which by the way, will be coming at you all week with content. We have the Arrowhead Drive returning tomorrow. We have the Great British Chiefs show. We have an interview series where we'll talk about this Cowboys game with someone who knows the Cowboys well. Show and BK. It's going to be a great week of content here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. As a reminder, and you can go back to the beginning of the show as proof. I will read your review. So please review us as as you will. Thank you to Steven Serta for producing this bad boy. Thank you to John Dixon. My name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.